Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride. It's Friday, so we've got your Raiders news and mailbag podcast for the week. And your weekly reminder... To submit your questions for a future episode, tweet them at me at mholder95 or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. Again, at mholder95 or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. Also, if you haven't checked them out already, Marcus and I conducted a few interviews this week with a couple of draft prospects. So after you're done listening to this, go back to our last two episodes on the channel and check out those interviews. With that, let's move on to the news. Our first topic today isn't necessarily news, but more of an observation by CBS Sports' Brian Diardo that the 1974 Raiders will have a record seven offensive players in the Hall of Fame, the most on one side of the ball from one team, when Cliff Branch gets inducted this summer. Branch will join Jim Otto, Gene Utshaw, Art Shell, Fred Blitnikoff, Dave Casper, and Ken Stabler as the offensive Raiders from that team to make the Hall. Branch and Stabler were also first-team All-Pros that year, with the former catching 60 passes for 1,092 yards and 13 touchdowns, and the latter tossing for 2,469 yards and 26 scores. The wideout led the league in receiving touchdowns and yards that year, and was just one of two pass catchers to eclipse the 1,000-yard mark. The 1974 Raiders also included Ray Guy and Willie Brown to make it nine total Hall of Famers from that team. NFL Network's Bucky Brooks released his top 10 free agent signings this week and slotted Las Vegas Raiders edge defender Yannick Ngakwe as the fifth best pickup in the league. Reuniting the one-time Pro Bowler with his former head coach Gus Bradley sparked a renaissance in the six-year pro, Brooks wrote, and Ngakwe notched double-digit sacks, 10, for the first time since 2017, and helped the Raiders' front line become a more disruptive unit. With the veteran joining Max Crosby to, for, to create a formidable tandem on the edges, the Raiders are well positioned to continue to wreak havoc on opponents on passing downs, even with Bradley heading to Indianapolis in 2022. Ngakwe also had 63 pressures, his most since 2018, and tied for the 15th most at his position. The former Jaguar signed a two-year, $26 million contract with the Raiders in the offseason, and will be playing on the last year of that deal next season. Speaking of free agency, a couple of quick NFL notes to go over. The NFL's window to use the franchise tag opened on Tuesday, meaning teams can start slapping the tag on pending free agent that they don't want to risk losing. Las Vegas doesn't have any candidates this time around, but there are a few names to keep a lookout for across the league in the coming weeks, like Green Bay Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams, Chicago Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson, and New England Patriots cornerback J.C. Jackson. The window will close on March 8th, and typically, players won't get tagged until the very close to the deadline, so you really just need to keep that date in mind. Per Pro Football Network's Aaron Wilson, NFL total concussions, preseason and regular season, during this year's 17-game season was down to 187, a seven-year low for except for 2020, which had a 16-game regular season and no preseason games for a total of 172 concussions, per an NFLPA medical information distributed to agents in a virtual seminar. So, some pretty good news for the players' health and safety. As has become customary over the last several weeks, the Raiders have had a few coaching and front office hires and a few coaches head to other places this week. 
The Raiders are adding Sean Harak to their player personnel department as an advisor. Harak spent 18 years in the Packers scouting department working alongside Reggie McKenzie. When McKenzie was hired as the Raiders general manager in 2012, he brought Harak with him to serve as the director of college scouting. Those two put together one of the best draft classes in the organization's history. 2014, selecting Khalil Mack, Derek Carr, Gabe Jackson, and Justin Ellis with their first four picks of the draft. Harak also played a hand in a few other notable picks for the Silver and Black like Amari Cooper, Latavius Murray, Shelby Harris, who was also in the 2014 class, and Colton Miller. Harak served as the interim GM when McKenzie was fired in 2018 until Mike Mayock took over the job and Harak spent the next two seasons with the Cleveland Browns. Now, he rejoins the Silver and Black in Las Vegas. Another hiring in the desert is Kennedy Palomalu will be joining Josh McDaniel's staff as the running backs coach. Palomalu has been coaching since 1992 and has bounced between the college and professional ranks, serving as an offensive coordinator for both USC and UCLA, and he was most recently the running backs coach for the Minnesota Vikings from 2017 to 2021. That timeline coincided with Dalvin Cook's arrival in Minnesota, and Cook has rushed for nearly 5,000 yards and 39 touchdowns in addition to 1,500 receiving yards under Palomalu's tutelage. However, what might be the coach's, or might be the most impressive part about the coach's resume is the play of backup running back Alexander Mattinson, who had at least 90 rushing yards in four out of his last five starts in relief of Cook. So, we know for sure that Palomalu can get his backs ready to go no matter what the circumstances. Next up was defensive line coach Frank Oakham. Oakham was a fifth-round pick out of Texas by the Houston Texans back in 2008, and he had a five-year career that included stops in Seattle and Tampa Bay before he dove into the coaching world. He was a graduate assistant defensive line coach at Rice, then Baylor, and he spent the last two seasons with the Carolina Panthers as the assistant defensive line coach and defensive line coach. With the Panthers, Oakham played a hand in developing some young, talented defensive linemen like Brian Burns, Derek Brown, and Yuter Gross-Matos. While it's been known for a while that offensive coordinator Greg Olson won't be returning to Las Vegas, the Los Angeles Rams made that officially official by bringing Olson onto their coaching staff. You might remember, Olson served as the Rams quarterback's coach before his second stint with the Raiders as their offensive coordinator. As of right now, there are no specifics to what his role will be in LA, but I imagine it will be pretty similar to his previous job with the Rams. Raiders assistant receivers coach Nick Holtz will be staying in town but coaching the UNLV Rebels as their offensive coordinator. Holtz had been with the Raiders since 2012, when Dennis Allen was the head coach, so he survived several head coaching changes but is now, and is now off to a bigger opportunity. Luckily for him, he knows his new home stadium pretty well. Alright, let's get to some mailbag questions. Reminder, tweet your questions at me, adamholder95, or email them to svpquestions1 at gmail.com for future episodes. First question, does Nate Peterman survive the new coaching staff? If not, are you stepping down as the president of the fan club? Well, let's take a look at this for a second. The Raiders are expected to lose uh, Marcus Mariota, so they could use a backup quarterback. So maybe Nate Pete comes back. Maybe I'm just being a little uh, optimistic too here. Too optimistic because uh, that is my guy, as you guys all know. But uh, if Nate Pete doesn't survive it, which to be perfectly honest, I'd kind of be surprised if he does. But um, if he doesn't, I got some plans in the works uh, for what I'll, what I'll do for you guys, give you guys a little bit of show. Obviously, it'll be a very sad day, so I'll let you guys all uh, enjoy my misery. That's how great of a person I am. All right, question number two here. Who might the Raiders trade this offseason? I'll give you guys three names that I think could happen and then three names that I know have been floating around but I don't think will ha happen because of their contract situations or one, one reason or another. 
But the first guy that I think might happen would be someone like Kenyon Drake. Um, with Kenyon Drake, I mean, we kind of talked about this or went over this uh, with uh, last year with his contract. Going to be making $8 million if the Raiders want to keep him around, um, or an $8 million cap hit if the Raiders want to keep him around as an RB2, which is pretty damn expensive. And I know he is coming off that ankle injury, but I think Drake is good enough where he could probably be uh, the first running back for a lot of teams, and they could probably offload him and save some cap space and get maybe a, a later round pick in the in the deal. Um, and I believe if they walk away or if they trade him, they can walk away from all of his contract and take away um, none, of the, none of the cap hit or anything like that. So I think he's definitely on the table. It's unfortunate too because I think Drake. When you think of the Patriots' offense, you think of those those backs that can catch balls out of the backfield, which obviously Drake can do. But I do think he's kind of being numbered, or his days are kind of numbered, just with that big contract and coming off the injury. Um, you know, I don't know if the again, I don't know how much they can get for Drake in the trade market because of that injury. But I feel like he could be a guy to again save some cap space, especially if they want to trade Derek Carr. The second would be Trayvon Mullen. They wouldn't save a ton of cap space, but they would save some by getting rid of Mullen. And the other thing with Mullen is he's going into a contract year. So if they're not thinking they might be able to, they might not be able to bring him back with other guys being free agents like Hunter Renfro and Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe, Denzel Perryman. There's a whole long list of free agents for next year. Maybe they try and get something for him in the offseason. And Mullen's still a decent enough player that he could probably get a little bit of a return. But then again, another guy that's coming off an injury. And the last guy I have on here is coincidentally also coming off an injury. So I guess I have uh, some sort of vendetta against all the injured guys, but that's going to be Jonathan Abram. Similar situation with Mullen. They could save some money, not a ton, but some. And uh, Abram, excuse me, is going to be going into a, uh, a contract here so they can try and get something back for him. And Abram's value might be a little bit higher. I mean, obviously it's going to be lower because of the injury but I think Abram actually redeemed himself a little bit last year I think he kind of showed that he can play a little bit in the box um, to add some value to a team where again the Raiders maybe can pick up a later round pick for a guy that might walk in a year uh, for nothing the three guys that I think um, I think a lot of people probably have on their minds that could trade but I don't know if it'll happen one would be Carl Nassib Uh, I get the feeling that they're probably gonna have to end up cutting Carl Nassib they can save about $3 million, I believe, uh, according to Over the Cap, by cutting them um, and still eat about $6 million. You know, again, you know, they might be in a, a situation where they have to pinch pennies, if they're, especially if they're going to extend Derek Carr. And, I mean, Carl Nassib, that's a, that's a lot of money to give to your, your D, D3, especially when you have Malcolm Kuntz uh, sitting on the bench ready to get more reps. So I hope that the, maybe they can offload Nassib somewhere else and maybe, again, pick up another late-round pick. The problem is I don't know who's going to want to take on that contract. So that's kind of why I think they might end up cutting him. Um, number two, guy that I know a lot of people are going to be talking about trading, but I don't know if it'll work, be Cleveland Farrell. The Raiders could actually save a good amount of cash by trading Cleveland Farrell. Um, but again, I've kind of talked about it on here before. The Raiders have kind of done a lot in the last year to kill Cleveland Farrell's value, including making him a healthy scratch in week one. So I think that's going to be hard for teams to get over, hard for them to get much of a return for Cleveland. And I mean, let's be honest, he's just been disappointing, been a bust as a top five pick. So his perception around the league, I can imagine, cannot be that high. And again, another guy that could be a free agent next year, which I think in this case might actually work against the Raiders because teams aren't going to want to trade for a guy that they can just sign in a year, especially if he's not even a, or if he's not a above average or really good player like Cleveland just flat out isn't. I mean, he was the DN4 on their team this year. So again, I feel like they've done a little bit too much to kill his value. 
Um, and I, I imagine between Cleland and uh, Carl, they'll probably keep one of those guys, but probably not Molf moving forward. And the last is going to be Corey Littleton. Corey Littleton, another guy that kind of has killed his own trade value just by not playing and playing well and was even getting benched at the end of the year by in favor of Divine, Divine Diablo. Corey Littleton's snaps went way down. Um, the biggest thing with Corey Littleson is the way his contract is structured is nothing really can happen until December 1st or, or excuse me, not December 1st, uh, June 1st. He's got a weird June 1st designation uh, in his contract, similar to what Julio Jones had last year where the, the Titans actually saved more cap space by trading him later. Raiders are kind of in that same position where they might be able to move Corey Littleton. Maybe they can get, again, maybe they can get a, a future pick for him. Obviously, it won't be for this year's draft but they can maybe get something in return instead of just flat out cutting him um, after that designation. And then, uh, you know, again, getting something back for him. But yeah, I feel like Corey Littleton's days are probably numbered as a Raider, kind of a similar situation as Nassib where they can probably get rid of him. Again, it's just a matter of how much do they want to pay a guy to go play for somebody else versus just maybe paying a little bit more money, but at least getting something in return from that guy. All right, here we go. Question three. Positions of top focus and priority to address, and will they be addressed via draft, free agency, or both? Well, my top need right now for the Raiders, just by pure numbers alone, is going to be defensive tackle. If you go look at their roster right now, I think they literally have one under contract. So obviously, that's a huge need just by pure volume or lack of volume or lack of bodies at the position alone. So I think that one is going to be addressed in both free agency and the draft, because they could also use a talent upgrade at the position um, you know, I think they'll probably try and look to bring maybe a guy like uh, Jonathan Hankins back, maybe Quentin Jefferson, although I have a feeling that Quentin's probably going to go to uh, follow Gus Bradley or or not come back, either one of those two. Maybe a Solomon Thomas that they bring back. But I do think they're going to try and target at least one uh, defensive tackle, veteran defensive tackle. May not be a big name, but again, you know, that at this point they got to fill some bodies. And I also think it's it, even no matter what they do in the free agency, it's going to be a draft need for them again. Need a handful of defensive tackles. Need not only guys that can play, but not but guys that can just fill out the roster. So I think they're going to attack defensive tackle um, fairly early uh, in the draft and then maybe even draft a couple of them because, again, they have literally none on the roster right now or one on the roster right now. So I think that's going to be a huge position where they attack both. The other position that I think they attack um, using uh, or excuse me, using the draft and free agency is going to be offensive line. Um I think this one's a little bit more interesting because they have a need at guard and tackle. Well, depending on what they want to do with Alex Leatherwood. Again, I've, I've said this multiple times, but if uh, the plan is to move Alex Leatherwood out to, to tackle, then obviously they're going to be looking for two guards because I think they can they can upgrade from John Simpson as well and Denzel Good. Um, not 100% sure he'll be back being 30 and coming off a tang, uh, torn ACL. So I could see them maybe bringing in a guy like a Brandon Scherf and a guard and then drafting a tackle or flipping that around, maybe a Morgan Moses at uh, right tackle and then looking to draft a guard. Um, typically, you can find guards a little bit later in the draft. So maybe that's the route they go with uh, for this year. But I think they're probably going to want to get at least one young offensive lineman. Um, but I do think they're going to add at least one better presence as well because they are pretty young already. Um and want to have some uh, a steadying presence, which I felt like they were missing at one point last year. So I think that's one position where they're definitely going to address uh, both in the draft and free agency, and probably look for starters in both positions if uh, that if you guys are catching my drift. All right, and then wide receiver would probably be my next position. And originally, and I know I've said this a few times, I felt like the Raiders were going to go the draft route, but kind of after uh, realizing what everything's going on and the news about Derek Carr. 
I mean, maybe they can go after a guy like Devontae Adams, but with the kind of money that he's commanding, I don't think they're going to be, that's going to handcuff them. And else in free agency, you know, if they go for a value, they're still going to kind of be in a tough spot um, just with how much cap space they have. And again, you know, I keep talking about this. I'm going to keep harping on it. But the other thing we need to keep in mind with this free agency is next year with all those guys that I've talked about before that are going to be free agents. So I ultimately think they are going to use the draft more to address the address the uh, wide receiver problem. And it's another position where they could use more depth. So I guess I wouldn't be surprised, too, if they dip in, the, in both pools there either. But I definitely, if I had to pick one, I'd lean towards the draft, get a little bit younger at the position, get somebody that's going to be there for a while, and someone that's going to be a little bit cheaper, maybe a, more like a second or third round pick versus paying a guy, even like a Christian Kirk, a ton of money when you know money might be tight this offseason. My next position of a need, and I know this is somewhat debatable at one, at one point, is going to be cornerback. I talked about Trayvon Mullen being in a contract year. Casey Hayward, I don't know if he's going to be back this year. So they're going to need a, they're going to have an immediate void as a starter. And again, that's another position that I think they can add more depth, excuse me, add more depth at um, moving forward. So I definitely think they're going to use the draft. Uh, maybe a guy like I was talking about, J.C. Jackson at free agency, but I get the feeling they'll probably try and draft somebody. Again, that also depends on what happens with Trayvon Mullen. If they are looking to trade him, like I was just talking about, then maybe they go after, uh, they maybe they use free agency to get more of a veteran guy instead of relying on a bunch of young players out there. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're going to probably draft a corner this year. And then the next position I'll go and kind of goes hand in hand is safety. That I absolutely think they should use the draft for um, just to try and maybe get somebody that can take a little bit of the pressure off Trayvon Merrick and let Trayvon Merrick kind of roam around a little bit more. Last year, they didn't really have a free agent or a free safety that um, could do it besides Trevon Merrick. That's why they had so much struggles when they were playing this too high coverage. Coverages against Pat Mahomes. But I would like to see them bring someone else in, again, that could play that center field role so Trevon Merrick can go back to his college role and be a little bit more versatile. All right, next up is another similar question. Are the Raiders more likely to draft linemen to fix their woes or look to free agency? Well, like I just said, I think it's kind of going to be a little bit of both. I think um, they'll probably add one veteran, and I think they'll add one rookie. What positions that'll be is kind of up in the air, again, depending on a lot of different variables. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're going to probably want to get a little bit older. I think part of their problem was last year is they were pretty young up front, which wasn't the plan. The plan was to have Richie Incognito and Denzel Good, I believe, be the steadying forces. Both those guys go out by week two, so that kind of threw a wrench into everything. So yeah, I think they'll probably try and bring at least one um, veteran presence in, in free agency and then maybe get one more young guy that they can start to develop and uh, work with. Um, you know, what round that ends up being will obviously depend on the position too. I think if they they bring in bring in a guard in free agency, then maybe they can still go with a, with a tackle um, with their first round pick too. So we'll see what happens. And a follow-up from the last question. If it's the free agent route for offensive linemen, who should they tar Who would they target? Well, I think the biggest name that's going to be out there and actually got some decent news that Brandon Scherf and the uh, Washington Commanders are not making headway on their contract talks, and it did seem like he might be destined to hit free agency. So if Brandon Scherf does hit the open market, he would kind of be my top guy for them to go after. I really like Scherf. I think he's been, I believe he's been an all pro in the past. I think he's been one of the better guards in the league at different points in his career. Um, so a guy that I would really like them to bring in. Problem is he's probably going to be more on the expensive side. So kind of what I was talking about before is I don't know if they'll have the money to bring someone in like him in, but definitely if he hits the open market, he's definitely at least worth a, worth a phone call and see if they can make the numbers work. 
the guy that's probably a little bit more under the radar that would be a little bit cheaper that I think would be a really good option would be Lincoln Tomlinson. He was a guard for the 49ers last year. Had a really good year last year for the for uh, the 49ers. And I think, again, would be a big boost to their offensive line at the guard spot. Um, is, a, is 30 years old, so not exactly a play for the future. But again, another guy that's played at a high level recently and would be an upgrade on what, what they currently have. My third guy is going to be Jermaine Effetti. He's a guy that played right tackle his last few years. Uh, I think he has a little bit of versatility to him that maybe he can slide some slide in some guard. And I believe he's actually played some guard as well in his career. But a guy that I've always really liked, I think that a guy that's really physical and can fit well into the gap scheme that I know McDaniels like to run in, in uh, New England. So he would kind of be another guy that I think is going to be a little bit on the cheaper side of things and a little bit more under the radar. That would be a good pickup for the Raiders. And the last guy I'd say would be Morgan Mogus, Moses, excuse me, who I believe is the most senior member of the group and also a former Commanders player. Um, with Moses, another guy, I don't think that's going to break the bank. Obviously, like I said, probably the oldest guy of the bunch that I just named, so not exactly a play for the future. But an upgrade over what they have for right now can be kind of a band-aid for the few years. Um, and again, not be a guy that's going to break the bank and be a serviceable offensive lineman for them. That'll do it for this week's episode, guys. Once again, go check out those prospect interviews from Marcus and I on the same podcast channel that you're listening to right now. And as always, follow Silver and Black Pride. Follow me on Twitter, at mholder95. Rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, guys.